There are so many supplements out there. How do you choose? If there was just one supplement that Trey and I would recommend, it's definitely Ningxia Red. We have consistently drank Ningxia every day since May of 2015. It's a whole body health and wellness supplement that's a powerhouse full of antioxidants and nutrition. Ningxia Red is made with pureed wolfberries, also known as goji berries, along with blueberry, plum, cherry, aronia, and pomegranate juices. These are very high in antioxidants that boost immunity and protect your body against oxidative stress. It also has food-grade essential oils like orange and lemon, yuzu, and tangerine. These provide an incredible dose of D-limonene. Trust me, Google that. This is just a two-ounce shot of liquid gold, and it supports your body for better energy and healthy cellular function. Why is that? Well, that's because you're getting antioxidants equivalent to eating like eight pounds of carrots and 16 whole oranges. Trust me, your liver and your eyes will thank you. If you'd like more information, visit my website, www.amycastles.com. What was the first thing that your mom would ask you before you'd go to bed at night? Did you brush your teeth? I don't know about you, but my mom always asked that. Since I was a kid, healthy gums and teeth have always been important to me. But after a lot of research, I figured out that there's actually a lot of junk in the commercial toothpaste. Everything from SLS to artificial flavors and colors, sweeteners even. And I didn't like the way that they didn't actually get my teeth super clean. I felt like they weren't really actually supporting good overall oral health. Well, I'm so excited to tell you about a product that I created in 2016. Sparkle Dust is a non-toxic, chemical-free tooth cleansing powder that instantly brightens and strengthens and remineralizes your teeth and your gums. It will leave your teeth feeling like never before. They will feel cleaner, smoother, and brighter. You will feel like you just left the dentist. I love that feeling. Sparkle Dust is made from nine different organic earth-sourced ingredients, including minerals and clays. It's a natural solution proven to get you the smile that you've always dreamed of. Learn more about Sparkle Dust by visiting my website at www.mysparkledust.com. It's time for a healthy dose of According to the Castles, the show where we talk about marriage, family, faith, health, nutrition, fitness, and so much more. And now, please welcome your hosts, Amy and Trey Castles. Hey everyone, it's Amy Castles. My partner in crime is not here today. I'm actually recording on a bonus day to try to get some more episodes under our belt. If you listened to our last one, you'll know that uh, life was thrown off for a little bit, so we're a little bit behind. I'm here with you today to talk about your relationship with food and redefining your relationship with food. Relationships can be positive or negative with food, and it can be something that you might have struggled with your entire life. Um, It may be just a few areas that you've struggled with. And just like anything else, having a strong relationship and a healthy, positive relationship is just good for your overall uh, well-being. We've all heard the term, you are what you eat. It's a very common saying that you might forget its power, but food is not just energy. It actually builds our bodies on a cellular level, and the body is specifically designed to absorb nutrients that it needs from the foods that we eat and turn it into fuel for apt- for activities and for you know just our overall processes from running to jumping digestion and cellular repair um, scientists learn more and more that the eating patterns of the body um, 
it's it's becoming more and more clear that we what we eat significantly affects the many aspects of our life. And having a healthy relationship with food is just a vital part of our wellness. Having a healthy food relationship uh, definitely can feel complicated. There are so many different factors that influence our feelings about food, and that includes the cultural, genetic, um, social, familial, individual, economic, and psychological components. And just, you know, if you hear those words, cultural, cultural, culturally, that word, you know, it's very different. One of my favorite questions to ask when I travel, when I travel, I often take Ubers and usually, especially in Washington, D.C., there are, uh, the Uber drivers are usually from a different country. I mean, I've had, uh, Africa had, um, I think last time was, uh, Morocco. I had Germany. There was, a Iran, um, there was Peru. So one of my favorite questions is, what's a normal breakfast? And one of my favorite was, he said that they grind up almonds, and then they add, um, oh gosh, what was it? Argon oil. So they, they mash up and grind almonds. And so they make like an almond butter, and then they put argon oil with it. And then the guy from Africa, he said that they took fish and grinded up the ground up the fish with fresh garlic and fresh diced uh, onions and then they have it on top of a fresh baked bread. And I was like, "Wow, that sounds kind of gross but also kind of good." Like <laughs> it it's um you're going to have just some dragon breath by that day, but um, you will definitely be well well nourished for the day. So giving all of these different variables, what does a healthy food relationship look like and how can you improve yours? Well, it it's very bio-individual. That means that for what works for you may not work for me. What works for this person may not work for that person. It's your relationship with food, like all relationships in your life, is very unique to you. And each of us have a different story about food as we all approach every aspect of this um food in in our own way. So your experiences can influence how you view foods and how you choose to put on or leave off your plate, as well as how much and when and how often you eat. I was just talking to someone last night. Uh, She's from South Africa. Um, Actually, she's going to be on our podcast soon. And I was asking her, uh, she said she already ate dinner because I was like, do you want some dinner? She said, oh, I already ate dinner. And I said, what time do you eat? And she said, 530. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. I, I did not grow up eating at 530 because my mom did not get home until five. So dinner wasn't going to be more until about six or 630. Of course, now my parents eat at 530 every day because they get the senior citizen uh, hours, what they call it, and they get in <laughs> and get their table so quickly. But she said, I've always just, it's just what my parents taught me. We always ate early. And so I always did the same thing with my kids and I feel better. You know, we talked about how her digestion felt better, but you know, everybody's way that they do things is just very different. So there's really not one specific way to have a healthy food relationship. 
it can mean different things. So I'm going to give you some ideas. So some people have extensive memories tied to eating food to uh, or dieting, I should say, to control their weight. And others may have grown up in households where food was labeled good or bad. I mean, I have heard of that, where, where food, well, first off, it's bad. Why isn't it even there? But um, the food would actually be labeled good and then food labeled bad. And I'm like, mm, that's a little that's a little interesting. Um, some come from families where embracing food diversity is something that they practice all the time, while others have a very limited background in trying new different types of cuisines. So food security, food or excuse me, food insecurity, food guilt, food centered celebrations, childhood food associations can have a very long-lasting, lingering effect that shapes our eating decisions today. And these kinds of life experiences may have led to becoming a tool for a manage, for managing emotions as well. And I just want to say that um, there is a community somewhere in the central United States, an Italian community that was studied, and they lived in community with each other um, not just they're not just called a community they actually lived in community together and they ate together in their big family meals and celebrations and this family was this cultural family Italians knew or were known for having pastas and olive oils and fried mozzarella uh, antipast and tiramisu and, and desserts and all these things they had these all these rich foods but this particular family had a, this entire community actually had a longer life expectancy and less health issues than families over on the west coast for example where they were drinking kale juice all day long and and eating nothing but sprouted oats and or sprouted seeds and things like that and it, it is it the food well god to some extent it, but then there's stories like this that show that there are families that are thriving and they have a healthy relationship with food i had a brain doctor uh dr watson i believe is his name out of dallas i was talking to him one time and he said your belief in the food that you're eating is just as important as is, is actually more important than the food itself. So if you are eating a food that you believe to be bad for your body, it will be bad for your body. However, if you're eating a food that typically isn't considered a nourishing food, but your belief about it is that it, it is good for you, you believe that down to your cells, then you're taking it in and your your body is believing this is good for me. And it actually does have positive benefits. Mm, that's hard to swallow because I could say, mm, so if I believe that my pizza and my donuts and my Cokes are good for me, I wholeheartedly believe it. That means that I'm going to be in fantastic shape. <laughs> I don't know. Why don't you be the guinea pig on that and you let me know how that works for you? But I'm just telling you what is being said. Most people have struggled with their relationship with 
at some point with food in their lives. Um, The good news is that the struggle does not have to continue. Moving forward requires identifying, acknowledging, and accepting the struggles. And then from there, you can find the tools that you need to support your health journey with secondary food in your life. And when when I say secondary food, I mean actual food. Primary food is when I, when, when I think of um, health coaching someone, we talk about primary food and we talk about cell, secondary food. Primary food is your relationships, your, uh, your spiritual well-being, your emotional well-being, your creativity. The food that you actually eat is the secondary food. So these other things are actually more important for your development and for your overall well-being than the actual food itself. So that's what I mean by secondary food. Once you've built awareness around your specific beliefs and your experience around food, there are many strategies that can help you create a very strong, healthy relationship with food. All right, so there's six ways to build a mindful, or I'm I'm going to give you six ways to build a mindful relationship with food. And developing a healthy relationship with food isn't easy and it doesn't happen overnight. So I just want you to take note of that. This takes time. So get your notes out, get a pen and paper, and let's go. Consider gradually applying some of these tips that can help you support you in creating a nurturing and healthy relationship with food. Okay, so number one, tune into your physical body. Working to cultivate peace with food starts with frequently checking in with how you physically feel about your body's food needs. You can identify your physical needs, This step may seem very simple, but truly listening to what your body needs requires practice and awareness. For example, you may identify a need for hydration, for rest, or for more fiber to help with digestion, or even movement after a sedentary workday. So identify the physical needs that that your body has. Write them down. Tune into what physical hunger feels like. This is the hardest thing for me because I don't like to feel hungry. I, it's, you know, uh, it's hard for me to say, but I remember I met with a nutritionist once and it was 2013 and she helped me with my nutrition plan and what to eat within a day and Often uh, it left, I was feeling really hungry. And she said, and I, I could, so I couldn't do it. I couldn't do her plan. And she, she finally kept digging in, digging in. You know, they do. They keep pushing and pushing. She digs in. And what we unraveled is that I said, I, I'm really scared to be hungry. And she was like, well, what do you mean? I said, I, I'm scared to be hungry. I, I fear feeling hunger. She's like, well, what do you think that means? And I said, what does that mean to you? And I said, well, I'm afraid that I might be left without food for a long time. And you know, one of the things that um, one of my friends had told me a long time ago, like back in 2008, she goes, we'd go for the day trip or something and I would have so much freaking food. And I kind of still do. So stop laughing, mom. But she said, you have a lot of food with you. She's I, I always like a huge picnic. And my mom was very simple when it comes to food. I mean, you open the refrigerator at our house when I was growing up, there was nothing. It was like 
orange juice, milk, a bottle of wine, and oranges, bread, cheese, maybe some chicken that needed to be cooked when she got home, and tortillas. And it was like, that was it. And uh, I remember feeling hungry a lot. But see, that was more food than my mom had. (laughs) My mom was fed cow tongue and liver, and they had to go pick strawberries to have something sweet to eat. So for her, that was abundance. Oftentimes, the way that we grow up has an effect on the way the things that we do now when it comes to food, whether it be fear or because, you know, it was a celebration or a tradition. So yeah, I, um, I always had an overabundance of food and I still kind of do in my house, but I've been really working on being okay. Like, Hey, it's okay. Y'all are not going to starve to death. You're not going to get a migraine. If you're, that was part of my fear. It was part of my fears and my blood sugar was going to drop. And so I always had food with me. So that rumbling in my stomach was something that I could not connect with. I could not connect with because I, I, I hadn't allowed that feeling to come over me. And so when it did come over me, I would instantly get some anxiety that I was going to get a headache or that I was going to not be able to eat for a long period. And that fueled me. So identify um, what hunger feels like to you. Identify patterns. Um, Take notes and tracks uh, and track what your body needs and your responses to help you identify uh, behavioral and dietary patterns and offer insights to what your body needs. One of the best things that you can do is keep a food journal. Uh, I really like to keep a food journal because um, not only can I look back and because there's times where I'm like, I don't know what the hell to eat. You know, I'm trying to eat healthy. I, I do great, you know, for like six weeks and then I get sick of food. Like I do not like to repeat food and I, I, I can't eat like the same meal three days in a row. I, I know I know somebody ate the same salad for a year straight. I mean, that was that was what she did. She's a routine person. She liked it. She was happy. It was comforting for her. That's fantastic. I gag. Like the, the fourth day, I would, I would gag. So um, I have to write down in my journal what I'm eating each meal. I don't write all the measurements. I don't worry about that. But it helps me to go back and say, oh, you know what? This time in my life, I was really busy. And these, this is what I ate within a day. And I could mimic what I did. Or I could look back at certain times and go, oh, man, I was, I remember that time time in my life. I was, I was feeling really good. I, I was feeling lean. I had a lot of energy. I was getting a lot of stuff done. I was sleeping good. Um, what was I eating back then? So that's, that's a good idea to have a food journal and then you can identify your patterns. Bring, okay. So here's number two, bring awareness to your emotions. Naming your emotions as they come up will not only expand your emotional vocabulary, but it also may help you identify the role that feelings and emotions play in your relationship with food. Um, one of the best things that I was taught for, uh, my postpartum recovery after river was to identify the emotions that were coming over me, but not try to jump in it, like not try to let it overtake me, but to just observe, just observing. That's it. Treat yourself like you would your child. If your child came at you and, and they, 
they said, I don't feel good. I don't feel good. I don't know. I don't know. And I, and you're like, what, what, what's going on? Are you sick? Do you have a fever? Do you, let me see your throat. What, your ears hurt? I mean, you, and they're like, no, and they're fine. They're like, what's the matter? My heart's racing. Well, why is your heart racing? I don't know. I'm scared. What are you scared of? I mean, you would start digging in and then what would the end result be? You would hug your kid and then you'd say, hey, it's okay. It's going to be all right. You wouldn't sit there and tell your kid, oh my gosh, you have anxiety. Can you believe it? You have anxiety. Your heart's racing right now. It's probably going to get worse. It's probably going to get crazy. You have anxiety right now and you're, you're going to get, it's going to get really bad all day long. It's going to be bad. <laughs> no, you wouldn't say that to your kid. And nor would you also say, you're having anxiety. You need to stop it right now and you need to go to your room and quit having anxiety now. You wouldn't say that either. So don't say it to yourself. You can identify the emotions and then take a moment to breathe. Breathe in four counts, exhale four counts, whatever the emotion is. Identify it and write it down. And just know that emotions are very temporary. They come in like waves of the ocean. They come in and they go and they come in and they grow. Meet yourself without judgment. That kind of goes back to what I just said. Acknowledging your emotions, but you don't have to be judgmental of them. You don't have to slap yourself on the wrist. It's okay that you feel super angry right now. Um, it's okay. How, now how you react to it is is where the um, what's okay and what's not okay comes into play. But it's okay to feel angry. I mean, it's okay to feel anxious. It's okay to feel irritable. Identify it. Communicate about it. Last night I told the family, I said, hey guys, it is 9.30 and I am up doing dishes and working and I'm really irritated about it because I should be upstairs in the bath right now. This is this is my mom time. I mean, nine o'clock on, that's like, that's my time. That is self-care. I'm in a bath. I'm watching Golden Girls, reading a book, listening to audiobook or something. Like, that is my time. Leave me alone. And I was snappy to everybody. So communicate about it. Let everybody know before you do something that can hurt the whole family or hurt yourself. Make the food connection. Get curious and note any of the emotions that prompt you to seek out and crave specific foods. So last night when I was feeling insanely um irritable because I was the only one in there cleaning the kitchen after I just made dinner and made everybody's breakfast for the next morning. The protein egg white muffins, those are really good, by the way. Um, I went into the pantry without even thinking and grabbed two big old spoonfuls of almond butter. And after I, after I had told myself and just had the conversation that eating before six o'clock would be really beneficial to our health and help with digestion. And the, here it is, 9.30 at night, and I just grabbed two big old spoonfuls of fat that I didn't even need. Now, if I was running a marathon, then hey, great, I probably would need that. But I didn't need it. And then guess what? My stomach was like really full and crampy and gassy, like all of the things. So um, yeah, make the food connection. Irritability, Almond butter, that's what I went to. So what is what is your connection? All right, number three, 
Meet physical hunger and emotional hunger with compassion. Once you tune into your body and your emotions, it will come way easier to identify where you have the desire to eat comes from. And when you do, be gentle with yourself. Just practice that self-compassion. No matter what your motivation is to eat or what you choose to eat, Aim to have self-compassion regardless of your choices. With every emotional craving or physical urge, your body is trying to tell you some, tell you something. Journal all this. Keep this, keep this in a notebook, um, or keep it if you need it more private. Put it on a note on your phone. Um, just like your relationships with other people, meeting yourself with love, with um, interest, and a desire for understanding can help significantly with your food relationship. Consider your body's messages. You may need to fuel your biological processes or time have time to recharge and rest. So food is energy, right? We know that. We've talked about this before. Food is energy. You may be just be tired and but your body signal you may be tired, but your body signals I want food because food is energy. Well, how else can you get energy? You could go do a 20-minute nap. If you are the type that cannot do a 20-minute nap, don't worry about going to sleep. Lay down for 15 minutes and focus on breathing. Close your eyes. Take a moment to just focus on your breathing, and your body will actually have a chance to rest. And you would be surprised that food craving will most likely go away. Approaching your body's emotional and physical hunger with compassion is a window into the many ways in which you can take care of yourself. Reframe any of those negative thoughts or feelings into acts of self-love. So take the negative thought that you have, identify it, change it up, switch it. I am this, change it to I am that, whatever that may be to make it more positive. This can be a very difficult step, especially if you've had a challenging past relationship with food. That's okay. This is a journey and it takes practice. You're not going to be good at it. You're, you're going to forget half the time to write down stuff. You're going to forget many days to write down your food diary and the emotions that you have throughout the day. But, you know, you just keep trying. If you you screwed up, I mean, I I, I didn't write down any of my stuff on, and I just got a new food journal and it was all cute and everything. And I wrote in it for like six days and then just totally forgot. I had Saturday and Sunday. I just completely forgot, but I, I'm not mad at it. I'm just started back up on Monday. It's all good. Um, number four, tap into your intuition. As you move into a place of non-judgment around your food choices, explore how you want to honor your physical and emotional hunger. Excuse me, hunger. In addition, um, or in doing so, you'll practice tapping into your intuition. Everybody has their intuition. You, we have that inner knowing. We have that voice inside of our head. Stay curious. Explore your food choices by keeping an open mind and embracing it with a childlike curiosity. So for example, reflect on how or why a particular food is appealing and when you are craving it, what's going through your mind? What are you feeling? What's the reward for getting, you know, was it a reward for getting good grades? You may have, (laughs) you may have grown up getting good grades and so your family went out and got ice cream together. And it was a beautiful thing. You loved it. Back in the days when I was able to eat ice cream, I can't have the dairy or the gluten or the sugar. 
I, I shouldn't say I can't. I can if I want to. I choose not to. I choose not to have ice cream. Um, I, I really do get sick from it. So I choose not to. But when I did have it when I was younger, because my body was way stronger then. Um, actually, I could even up- upgrade that that sentence. My body was stronger then. How about my body was different then? How about that? Trey and I used to go to Blockbuster. Yes, Blockbuster. We were first married. It was 2003. And we would go to Blockbuster off Research Forest and Gosling, I think it was. or Yeah, Gosling. And we would go to Blockbuster and then we would go to Marble Slab. It was so much fun. I mean, and, and that feeling that we had when we got that big old Rocky Road ice cream cone, it was so positive. And I may, if, if I was still a type of person that could eat ice cream, I may be going to get ice cream because I'm searching for that feeling. Well, how can you get those same feelings without going to something that may be detrimental to your health? later on or make you feel a certain way after. Ask yourself uh, some questions. Asking yourself questions can leave you feeling very empowered to make the decisions about the types of foods and the amounts that you choose. So consider asking your questions like, uh, for example, what foods align with my current health needs? Okay, does the ice cream align with your current health need or health goals? Um, How can I support myself in choosing these foods more often? Uh, In what ways can I honor my emotional state other than eating? Okay, so that's, you know, kind of a corny way of asking questions. I don't know who who is going to have a craving for ice cream and then go, hmm, how can I support myself in choosing foods that are healthy to my body? Nobody's going to say it like that. But you get the idea. Rewrite the question. Find what flows off your tongue and ask yourself that more often. Create an intuitive way of eating. Asking questions can lead to an intuitive way of eating. You're giving the power to yourself and you are becoming your own expert in what and how much your body needs to nourish itself. You are bio-individual. You have your own nutritional needs and your own food preferences. It's different for every single person. That's why, you know, sometimes I like to have a nutritionist make a diet plan for me, or or I shouldn't even say diet plan, a meal plan for me. But at the same time, it's not something I follow because it's not authentically me. It's not the foods that I like, or it doesn't feel right. We all have to work with what is good for us culturally, what's good for us nutritionally, um, and what you prefer. You can also think about how you you have intuitively nurtured yourself in the past as a way to drive yourself into nurturing yourself now in healthy ways. The intuition um, or intuitive eating is a whole movement. I encourage you to look that up so that you can master it. Okay, number five. Question your unexamined food beliefs. There are food rules and beliefs. There's, I, I have seen a lot of people go through fitness programs, nutrition programs, where they have food rules. Ugh, that just makes me throw up in my mouth a little bit. I don't like it. I don't like rules. I don't know about you. Some of you may, some of you may really, really like rules. And, 
you know what? That's fantastic. Good for you. I am not a rule follower. If you give me the rules, I'm going to go the opposite way because I'm rebellious like that. It's just the way that I am. And I'm not going to change it. I like that about me. So what food rules or beliefs are problematic for you and what happens if they're left unexamined? Consider what holding on to these rules uh, means for your health of your body and your mind. These beliefs often come from external external sources and not your own intuition. Examples of these food beliefs might include demonizing some foods while putting a health halo around others. You got to cycle through the different food fad diets, restricted certain foods, equating personal success or failure with food, or even eating at certain times of the day. You know, I just, I just told you that I don't eat ice cream. Well, and I, and I kind of spit out the thought, um, I can't have it. I instantly caught myself and changed it to, I can have it if I want to, but I choose not to. There is empowerment in that. And it doesn't put like this, it doesn't put chains on me. It doesn't put the cuffs on me to think in that manner. um, If it's, I choose, I choose to eat foods that my body aligns with, that my body enjoys, and that I know is going to give me energy and make me feel good throughout the day. And I have learned by this point in my life, by a lot of trial and error, as seeing what foods those are. So here are some healthy ways to examine some beliefs, identify and question the rules that you've established. Get a piece of paper, write it down. What what have you identified and uh, believe about the food? Ask yourself, where does this belief come from? Is it helpful? (laughs) Is it even true? Is it even true? Reframe the food rules as needed. So all those rules that you have and those beliefs, Um, you know, maybe you have a belief that if you eat one cookie, you might as well eat the whole package of cookies. Where'd you learn that from? It's not true. (laughs) There's also maybe a belief that if you eat this cake, that you should feel guilty about it and you should feel like absolute crap. One of the things that I've taught Avery, you know, Avery's had a lot of food struggles because She's had a lot of food allergies and a lot of intolerances, and it's caused her a lot of congestion, inflammation, bloating, all those sorts of things. And, you know, it's that's very hard for a little girl who has her friends eating whatever they want, and, you know, they're really tiny, and she is way more solid. She's built like me, and she also had inflammation on top of that. And that was giving her this, you know, mental and emotional complex. And then how do you word that at the same time that, you know, these particular foods you, you can't have, we're trying not to say can't have, or you've got to choose not to have it. She had to, but then there were times where she would want to have it. Like she just, she's at a party, like, and I, and I don't want her to feel guilty. So I would tell her, Avery, look, if you're going to have that pizza or that cake or whatever, then own it, enjoy it, like enjoy it and, and have fun. And, and that's it. Just be good with it. And the next day, nourish your body again. So what you believe can be altered. 
to a way that is is positive and that can overall support your overall health and happiness. Find some support in your success. This is the last one. This is number six. Even as you explore these strategies, you may want to reach out for additional help to navigate your relationship with food. You don't have to do this alone. You know, you may have a very supportive spouse and and they may talk with you and you're going to have times where you're going to you're going to talk with your spouse about it and and then you break down Friday night, but then Saturday Saturday night you say F it. And I'm going to have some fajitas and a margarita. And you just had the conversation with them about it on Friday. And then now on Saturday, you're having margaritas and fajitas and all the chips and queso. And your spouse is looking at you like, what are you doing? You just told me yesterday that you wanted to work on this and blah, 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 blah. And then now you're feeling shame and guilt over it. So... Maybe the spouse isn't always the best person to work out the deal details with. Maybe they just get the highlight notes. Maybe you talk to a health coach, a therapist, or a nutritionist, a psychiatrist, a psychologist. They're not going to shame you. They're not going to guilt you. They're not going to hold things against you. They're not with you at every single meal. You can go and talk to them pretty much anytime you want. And then you can be open with your spouse about what you're sharing. Enjoy the journey. Be consciously choosing foods that align with your bio-individual needs and your preferences, and you'll begin creating a healthy food relationship and practicing an unexpected form of self-care. This is a form of self-care. Enjoy the journey as you build a powerful new relationship with food and yourself. I hope you enjoyed this podcast, and you'll take a step back and look at what is your relationship with food. And Maybe you're at a level 10 on a scale of 0 to 10, and that's fantastic. Then you just stay right where you are. But if you're anywhere of, I'd say, maybe a 7 or below, well, there's always room for improvement, but and it may not ever be a 10. See what you can do. Thanks so much, and I hope you all have a wonderful day. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of According to the Castles with Amy and Trey. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. To stay up to date with the castles, follow Amy on Instagram at acastles. Until next time, have faith, enjoy life, and love abundantly. There are so many supplements out there. How do you choose? If there was just one supplement that Trey and I would recommend, it's definitely Ningxia Red. We have consistently drank Ningxia every day since May of 2015. It's a whole body health and wellness supplement that's a powerhouse full of antioxidants and nutrition. Ningxia Red is made with pureed wolfberries, also known as goji berries, along with blueberry, plum, cherry, aronia, and pomegranate juices. These are very high in antioxidants that boost immunity and protect your body against oxidative stress. It also has food-grade essential oils like orange and lemon, yuzu, and tangerine. These provide an incredible dose of D-limonene. Trust me, Google that. This is just a two-ounce shot of liquid gold, and it supports your body for better energy and healthy cellular function. Why is that? Well, that's because you're getting antioxidants equivalent to eating like eight pounds of carrots and 16 whole oranges. Trust me, your liver and your eyes will thank you. If you'd like more information, visit my website, www.amycastles.com. What was the first thing that your mom would ask you before you'd go to bed at night? 
did you brush your teeth? I don't know about you, but my mom always asked that. Since I was a kid, healthy gums and teeth have always been important to me. But after a lot of research, I figured out that there's actually a lot of junk in the commercial toothpaste. Everything from SLS to artificial flavors and colors, sweeteners even. And I didn't like the way that they didn't actually get my teeth super clean. I felt like they weren't really actually supporting good overall oral health. Well, I'm so excited to tell you about a product that I created in 2016. Sparkle Dust is a non-toxic, chemical-free tooth cleansing powder that instantly brightens and strengthens and remineralizes your teeth and your gums. It will leave your teeth feeling like never before. They will feel cleaner, smoother, and brighter. You will feel like you just left the dentist. I love that feeling. Sparkle Dust is made from nine different organic earth-sourced ingredients, including minerals and clays. It's a natural solution proven to get you the smile that you've always dreamed of. Learn more about Sparkle Dust by visiting my website at www.mysparkledust.com.